Hey, Dad. Hi, Maya. Welcome to episode six of the Crushing Podcast. Um, so just so you guys know, well, this is my dad. Um, yep, just just my dad. Um, he grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, and I was raised in Brooklyn. And right now I'm in LA and he's back there with my brother and my sister um, and my mom and my two dogs and my cat and my soon to be second cat. Um, but do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, as I'm, as Maya said, I'm Maya's dad. Maya is my oldest daughter. I've been married for 20 years to Lisa. Uh, we met in New York and uh, we lived in Manhattan for a while where Maya was born and we moved to Brooklyn and we're uh, with Kai and Annika. Um, and uh, so we've been uh, living there in Brooklyn for 20 years and we've been having a great time. I came to New York in 1981 for college. And then I, I and since then I haven't left. So I really like New York and uh, it's been a really great experience for me. Awesome. All right. Um, but you've also like lived in a couple of other, other places, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to... Um, I went to uh, graduate school at the University of Michigan. So I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan for a couple of years, which was fantastic. It's a great, it's a, it's a great town. And then I lived in Chicago for two years and I really enjoyed that. And that's a, that's pretty much it. You know, I have, um, as I've traveled quite a bit, but I haven't lived in um, that many different places. Like um, the thing about New York is when like you move into an apartment, you never leave. It's just because the New York housing market is tough. It's expensive to move. It's expensive to, to get a new apartment. So basically, I lived in the same apartment in New York for, what, uh, 16 years, 17 years. And then, and then I moved to Brooklyn, and I've lived in the same house in Brooklyn for 17 years. So, uh, so, so you don't move much. Um, and uh, as, as you said earlier, I grew up in uh, Miami Beach, Florida. I went to high school there. Um, our high school was known as Beach High. Um, a lot of people did a lot of uh, surfing. Um, and the Miami Beach I grew up in was kind of, it, it was not the trendy Miami Beach it is today. I mean, that was 40 years ago. It was really the Miami Beach of Scarface, if anybody's seen that movie with Al Pacino. Um, it was a very violent type of area. and. Uh, and also the show Miami Vice. That was kind of like the time period that I grew up in in, in South Florida. So, yeah. All right. All right. Um, so I guess to kick things off, let's hear "Rapture" by Blondie. Oh, <laughs> 
by Blondie. Um, Dad, I'm sure that like brings up some memories for you, some good times. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know that your show is crushing. So I was thinking about like, what were my crushes when I was in my yeah. teenage years? Yeah, so you're so, you know, there wasn't the internet. So there was a lot of mystery about who people were. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the crushes that everybody had was Cher right? Because she was on TV and she had her own show. Uh, another one of the crushes was uh, Deborah Harry. Um, and you didn't really know who she was, right? Blondie, but that's her band. But, you know, but the, the crush was on her. And then uh, Stevie Nicks, who was with Fleetwood Mac, and she was in um, California, you know, but, but that's all you knew. You just knew their music. You never saw really pictures of them unless it was on a magazine 
So these were like my, um, some of my musical crushes, so to speak. That's actually kind of funny because I feel like now, like we see people more for like their pictures and like how they look. Whereas like, I feel like when you grew up, we were seeing people for the content that they produced, you know? Which is well, kind of well that, that was all you knew. It was all kind of a mystery, you know? Um, like they would uh, issue an album and that's all you had, you know? And maybe they would go on tour and if you were lucky enough, you would, I lived in Miami, so everybody would come and play one night. If you were lucky enough, you got a ticket. And if you didn't, then uh, you couldn't, you know, you just missed them. Yeah, I kind of feel like the mystery kind of makes things more special because now we just like are stimulated constantly. Like we, we have access to all kinds of media um, basically whenever we want. And so I feel like it makes it less exciting because we're desensitized to that, to it. But like, whereas like when you grew up, when you'd see a live show or like even if you'd like go out on a date with somebody, like it's more exciting because it's like more rare and like, I don't know, it just like takes more work to actually bring to fruition. Um, well, you, you had to do a lot of work uh, to go on a date with somebody. You know, you had to, you had to, you had to ask them on a date. You had to ask them for their phone number. Then you had a, an agree on a time. And um, and then you had to go and you couldn't break anywhere along the chain or the date doesn't happen. Right. Because it's not like you could text people or stay in contact with them. I feel like um, the fact that like it takes so much energy to even make the date in the first place is like probably like really telling of whether or not you're compatible with the person because you both have to really want to see each other to actually like make the meeting happen. Whereas now it's like, easier to make the meeting happen because there's so many easy ways to communicate with people and so many easy ways to find them in the first place that like even if you meet up in person it doesn't necessarily like indicate anything whereas I feel like when you grew up it was like you were already showing like you already had to be interested like to a certain extent to actually like go out with somebody and see them you know yeah from a crushing point of view you would want to ask people out you know and at the time, girls didn't really ask boys out in the 1970s. It was a very rare thing. Right. So if, if you asked them out, they could say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And if they, say no, if they said no, it was crushing. <laughs> and then if they said yes, you were all excited no matter what. And then, and then the date could not be so good. But, you know, and then you were disappointed, obviously. But for that time when you asked them out, let's say you asked them out like on a Tuesday uh -huh. and you're going to go out on a Friday or Saturday, you were like in heaven. For those four days, you were like feeling good. This is the best feeling in the world. And then, you know, and then depending on what happens on your date, obviously, whether you're going to have another date or whatever. But there, th those four days are the magic days, the anticipation of everything. Yeah. That magic is super fun. Um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I guess you've talked a little bit about crushes in general already, but I was wondering if there's one person that you can like point to in particular that you feel like served as like a learning point for you that you feel like taught you about yourself more, um, anyone in particular, like any good stories? I had a girlfriend in high school, uh, her name was Jody. Uh, she, uh, went to a different high school that I went to. Yeah. I met her, um, we were co-counselors at, at a camp mm -hmm. and we kind of like had a vibe going at the camp. And then, um, uh, turns out a friend of hers went to my high school 
and she kind of fixed us up a little bit, you know, uh, invited us over both over to her house with a few other people. Okay. Kind of connected. And so she was um, kind of my, uh, well, she was uh, really my first girlfriend and we, um, we, we kind of had a connection. And so I learned a lot about, uh, you know, women from her and, um, and so, so, so that was a great, that was a great experience for me, I guess, an, an eye-opening experience, so to speak. Um, and she was a, a very smart woman. I think she went to Dartmouth um, at the time. Um, and so, you know, we got along well and we enjoyed, you know, she had a, a lake behind her house and we used to hang out there and go swimming. And yeah. so that was great. And yeah, it was pretty, uh, you know, so I learned a lot, I guess, uh, about relate when you have your first relationship, you, you learn a lot about relationships and then you make a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, and you realize, well, I didn't treat her so well, or this was a bad thing to do. And, you know, and, you know, you cut yourself some slack because you're only 17 years old, but uh, sometimes you're a turkey. And, you know, and so there were moments that I, in hindsight, I was, I could have been nicer, I guess is a better way of putting it. Yeah. I see what you mean. But I think you're right. I think there's definitely something that's special about like the first relationship you have. And I know like, like I've never really had a serious relationship before. And like a lot of, I mean, my roommates have all, all of my roommates had serious boyfriends in high school. One of them still dating her high school boyfriend. I just like never really had that experience. Like I've had flings before, but nothing serious. And so um, I'm like ready for that learning experience. And it's like definitely like, um, I feel like it could change like every, like kind of like cause a paradigm shift for me um, in terms of like- Yeah, you know, one of the things is we all have like a physical connection with uh -huh. the, you know, depending on your sexual orientation, but you have, we all have that physical connection that, and then, but then there's that mental connection, which I, I say, like, you have a vibe with somebody that yeah. they kind of get you, you kind of get them. And that's when it's really fun and special because, and usually for me, that's always happened the first time I've met them. That does, that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean I went out with every woman that I vibed with. But all the women I did go out with that had relationships with, I had a vibe from the instant we met and we, our rapport was just there. I feel like that's really like, yeah, I think that's really accurate. I think like, you know, whether or not you vibe with someone, the second you see them, the second you start talking to them, like it's not, it's not ambiguous because if it's ambiguous then it's just a no, like when you know, you know, and I think like, at least for me, like I feel like I've only vibed with like maybe like three people, like three of the guys that I've hung out with before, you know, and like the rest of them, I was just like, meh, like I don't like their personality. And so this isn't that fun for me because like, you know, you want to like be spending time with someone you actually enjoy. And like, I think like the thing that scares me though, is like, I feel like that vibe, like that instant connection is so rare. And so like when you lose it or when you're not finding it, it's really frustrating because you're like, shit like I just lost I lost something good and now I have to like go find something good again or like why can't I find something good why am I not vibing with people you know but it's just like out of your control yeah you can't control it uh there was a woman I met in Chicago when I lived there her name was Yancey and um you know there was no internet and there were no Instagram and so whatever and I met her at a party and she was moving to Washington DC the next day and we had a good vibe. 
And it was kind of like, uh, bye, have a nice life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we had no way to be in touch. And, um, you know, you just meet somebody for a few hours. And so it wasn't changing my, you know, I mean, I connected with her, but it wasn't changing. I wasn't going to change my life for her, so to speak, for someone I knew for a few hours. So off to Washington, D.C., she went. And I really don't know what happened to her. And I hope she's, you know, that was, uh, what, 30 yeah. years ago. So I hope she's had a good life. Yeah, I guess like that's like a really big generational difference. I mean, like I I've had like similar encounters where I just like meet somebody on a whim, but like we're going to different places, you know, but like for me, it's like I can still maintain a relationship with them because I can follow them on Instagram and like I can still contact them, um, which I guess changes the game because you never really lose people. You just kind of like it could be the wrong place, wrong time. But like if it is the right place, right time somewhere down the line, you still kind of have them there. Um, which, you know, I guess like is a good thing because you don't lose people, but also it kind of like puts pressure on it because it's like, you, it's not out of sight, out of mind because they're right in front of you. They're on your social media, you know, so you can't just forget about them because you know, they're right there. You know, you can talk to them whenever you want to, but you know, you, at the same time, I feel like I've had to like toggle between like thinking about people that I can't see right now because I'm in LA and then also just like um, having to focus on LA and like being here. Yeah, that's true. I, I never really thought about that, that, you know, we, I kind of had natural uh, breaks in relationships because of the nature of communication. Whereas you, you kind of keep them in a catalog, you know, and they're always there. And it's not like, it's not like if I bumped into an ex or someone I was kind of interested in two years later on the street, that would be a random cool kind of thing. Whereas for you got for people of your generation, it's like, oh, well, if I want to see them and I know that they're in New York for say, and I'm in New York at the moment, I can, I can try to see them, you know, that you can send them a, you know, a, a text or, or an Instagram, you know, so you can communicate that way. So I don't know if it's like better though, or worse, because I feel like perhaps that makes it less natural because there's like this push to make it work when maybe it's not supposed to. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, there's never any better or worse. It's just how, how your world is, you know what I mean? And so you can't, um, you know, I'm unfamiliar with so much of the ways that you communicate with other people and the way I, I communicate. Like for example, a lot of your communication is electronically with people. Yeah. and like texting and whatever and my communication is much more verbal like even communicating with you i find it frustrating you'll sit there and text me we'll go back and forth and i'm like this is a pain i just want to express x and i wish that we were we just get on the phone you know yeah. what i mean and let's talk for for a minute like, i still i still call my friends i mean like literally right before i i um I started talking to you. I, I actually like called Kai, like not my brother, my friend Kai, because I was like, you know what? Like I can't text, like I just want to talk to you face to face. And I feel like that's true for like the people you're closest with. Like I call Tabby all the time and like Lizette and Eugenie and stuff just because they're an Ani and Kai, you know? Cause like people that are like really easy to talk to that you don't feel like you have to put on any kind of mask for, like I don't mind calling them on the phone. But then with other people who like, I actually like really care about what they think of me so, so much. like. I definitely want to avoid like calling them on the phone because texting is more controlled. Um, all right. Well, yeah, it's been nice um, talking, but uh, let's take a break and listen to Dirty Boulevard by Lou Reed. Here it goes. <laughs> 
Pietro lives out of the Wilshire Hotel. He looks out a window with that glass. The wall's made of cardboard. Newspapers on his feet, and his father beats him because he's too tired to bed. He's got nine brothers and sisters. They're brought up on their knees. It's hard to run. The coat hanger beats you on the thighs. Pedro dreams of being older and killing the old man, but that's a slim chance. He's going to the boulevard. He's going in the on the dirty boulevard. He's going out to the dirty boulevard. He's going down to the dirty boulevard. costs $2,000 a month, you can believe it, man, it's true. Somewhere a landlord's life until he wets his pants. No one dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They dream of dealing on the dirty boulevard. Give me your hunger, you're tired, you're poor, I'll piss on them. That's what the statue of bigotry says. Your poor huddled masses, let's club them to death. We'll get it over with and just dump them on the boulevard. Get him out on the dirty boulevard. Going out to the dirty boulevard. They going down on the dirty boulevard. Going out. Outside it's a bright night. There's an opera at Lincoln Center. Movie stars arrive by limousine. The Cleveland shoot up over the skyline of Manhattan. But the lights are out on the main streets. A small kid stands by the Lincoln Tunnel. He's selling plastic roses for a buck. The traffic's backed up to 39th Street. The TV whores are calling the cops out for a suck. And back at the wheelchair, Pedro sits there dreaming. He's found a book on magic in a garbage can. He looks at the pictures and stares up at the cracked ceiling. Count of three says, I hope I can disappear and fly, fly away from this dirty boulevard. I want to fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly, 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 fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly away. I want to fly, fly, fly away. I wanna fly, 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 You just heard Dirty Boulevard by Lou Reed, and I'm back with my dad. What is up? That was a great song. You know, it um, it kind of captures New York. You know, um, New York is you have the richest people in the world, and you have some of the poorest, and it's it's always um, it's a constant contradiction. Yeah. The, the greatest things and the worst things of New York. And it's kind of captured in that song. Uh, Lou Reed, he, I think he was a New Yorker. And he wrote the name of the album that song was called New York. And so I thought that what I like about New York too is kind of like the, um, 
the underbelly of it, the edge. And LA doesn't have the grunge. Right. It does well, but neither does Manhattan anymore. You know, like now even a one bedroom apartment is over a million dollars, you know. So it's not uh when I when I came to New York in 1981, there was areas of Manhattan that just weren't you didn't want to live in. You didn't want to get near, you know, and that was Times Square, that was Alphabet City, uh, that was the Bowery, uh, Soho, you know. So, so obviously things change in forty years, but there's just isn't that underbelly. Like Bleecker Street was like the coolest street to go to, you know. And I used to go get down and get my haircut down there, and that was like a big deal. You like hop on the subway, you take your haircut down there, and you know, and then you go to the record stores and. You know, which you, I mean, you guys don't know about like, but you it's not like, oh, you would just you could just get music or you or you knew what music was. You had to go to the record store. You had to listen to records. You had to talk to other people um, what they were interested, the kind of music that they were. And also, depending on what area of the country, who you would listen to, you know, like if you were in Miami, you listen to Jimmy Buffett. If you were in New Jersey, it was Springsteen and in Indiana. It was Mellencamp. I think. Uh, Tom Petty, I think he was from Oklahoma. I said, we're a big Bruce household. Yeah, I've been a, Bruce has kind of been my guy um, since in the late 1970s, you know? And uh, so, and he's kind of, uh, I have a theory about, um, about musicians. Uh, usually they're like 10 to 15 years older than you are the ones you relate to. Yeah. And because they writing about their past experiences but those are the experiences you're having right now. It's like a big brother, big sister thing. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I really, you know, I like I feel so nostalgic for the like young adulthood that you had and the childhood that you had because I feel like I don't know, like my spirit would have like done better in that time. Um, because I think like it, it just like felt like the stakes were higher and things mattered more. And I'm just like a person who cares a lot about everything. And I'm really sensitive. And like, I have this desire to like live like really deeply and like feel things and like, 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 I don't know. And I feel like there's just like this passion and nostalgia that like you always, I feel like when you talk about like your young adulthood, you seem to like have memories that like are really passionate and memories that are like really important and cool and stuff because um things just mattered more and the stakes were higher and people weren't desensitized to everything you know yeah but you know the thing is i think we're all nostalgic for a different time rather than our own time yeah and when i look back at things i I didn't have any great revelations of thought when I was going through those experiences. Right. I'm giving you now from hindsight, you know, so it's easy for me to um, be somewhat objective or of, of what my past was like, but it's not a romanticized past. I don't think, I don't think your generation's lives are any less. And in fact, I think the stakes are higher for you. Uh, the opposite of what you think, because you everything you do you you're you're people are expected you to make better decisions that you have more information that um the everything moves so much faster for you i mean it's like um it's it's, it's so accelerated like yeah. 
like I talked about having a date over a week, uh-huh. right? You know, from, okay, asking somebody going and then, you know, that's a week's time. Right. I'm sure in your generation, it's all compressed. Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy. Like so much can happen in a week. I mean, I would know it's, it's pretty gnarly. I'd say like, yeah. it's, perhaps it's just a little bit too fast paced. Like, I think like the technology age just pre- prevents you from slowing down. Like things just happen quicker. You get closer with people way faster because you can just be communicating with them constantly. And I right. mean, like, I feel like COVID even intensifies that. Like when I reflect on my relationship with my roommates, even like, I feel like we've known each other for like five years because we've all like lived together. And not only have we lived together, we've basically only spent time with each other this entire year. And it's like, it's kind of magical. It's really special to like get to know somebody, but I feel like it's just happening at like rapid speeds. And I wonder like if human beings are conditioned to be able to, um, I don't know, like, get to know people that quickly like are we you know is that like what what should be i just like always think about like is you know should we be moving this quickly like i don't know well i i I don't know if you've ever heard this i have um in relationships i have something called the four season rule okay what's that? that you have that you have to go out with somebody for a year and you have to experience all four seasons of the calendar with them and part of that is, is because when you have a relationship and you're somewhat serious, you have to meet their family and find out how they feel about holidays and birthdays and, yeah. and the summer and the fall. And so, so, so like, I would never, like when I always hear like people, oh, they're going to get serious on a date or they're going to get married. I would never even consider that until I've gone through a relationship for a year Yeah. because then I get to, then I get to know who they are, you know? So, um, and you know you may you guys may have the four day rule, but I have the four season rule, which is uh, kind of archaic. It may be archaic, but I found at, at for my life, yeah, that's the work. I think that's like a good. I think that's a good framework if you're dating seriously. But I think like it's more obviously in, in college at my age, nobody's really dating that seriously. I mean, and if it is serious, I don't think that anyone's really dating to get married necessarily. I think they're just dating to date and like figuring it out, you know? So I don't know if that rule really applies. And like, I guess for me, like the biggest question in my mind with the dating that I do is like, oh, like, is this serious to me is exclusive. That's what serious is. Like, uh, and like it scares me like that being exclusive with somebody is a commitment that scares me and so like you know like I wish there were some kind of framework like the four seasons rule that like I could apply to my life that would like help me figure well, out well, like when I was a young man dating in New York City right. um, I used to I used to call it I used to go through feast and famine uh-huh and feast was what like I would have like dating like two or three women at the same time Right. And, I, and I knew it was going to all blow up, right, yeah. at some point. But I was like, you go for it as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And if it's during the summer, it's great. And then at some point, it all blows up, and then you're into famine, and then you got nothing. <laughs> and part of it is, is that you don't have ways of, of finding new women for a long time. It's not that easy. It's not like, for me, because, again, we didn't have Tinder and Instagram and all that stuff. So you would like go to a, you have to be invited to a party or go to a bar or meet yeah. um, or meet somebody from work. Or, but the problem at work at a, at, a, at a place where you work is that there are women who are friends. 
and they have friend groups. So you could only date one woman in a friend group, right? Because then they would all know what you were up to, especially at work. So which people, yeah. you know, frown upon. It's not, you know, it, it was different then, you know. Uh, no, uh, I have to say, uh, though, I don't think it's that easy to just meet people now. Like, I think that it's kind of, it's still just as hard. Like, even with Tinder, the odds that you, I mean, meeting the person, like, meeting up with them, like, seeing them in person, you know, it's not that hard. I mean, at least now that, like, most people are vaccinated and LA COVID levels are really low, you know what I'm saying? But, like, actually finding somebody that you want to continue seeing, whether or not it's exclusive or not, I think is pretty rare. Um, and I also, like, I think, like, I guess, like, I could, like, use that. I mean, I feel like I could apply the feast-famine framework to, like, my dating life. It's more just, like, feast, like, trying out options, trying out options, trying out options. But then I guess for me, it's kind of like, I can't like, I don't think I could see like, once I know that I like somebody, I don't think that I could continue to see other people. Um, I just like, it just feels weird. Like it's not, it's not even like, um, it's not, it's like you just end up feeling bad because you like the other person. Like it's just kind of like natural like that, you know? Well, that's a good thing. I mean, like, like when I would was dating a few women at the same time, it was I didn't vibe with any of them, right? Because that's, otherwise, that's when you I, have a bunch of them is when you don't really like them that much, and it's like, oh, whatever, I'll see this one, I'll see that one, like that's it, with all the guys. It, not, like, it doesn't matter. But then you meet someone you actually like, and it's like a whole different thing, you know? But it's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I remember. I dated a woman and I was in uh, my around 30, 31. I think she was like 24, 25. And it was great. Like I would go, we would go out and she would call me up at like 12 o'clock. So she had, again, had a call on the phone. I had to be home, you know, all that. and then we would meet at a place and I would be out till um, out till the sun came up. And then I would uh, go home, take a shower and go to work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like, I mean, that's like my young life, right? But it's like, kind of, I don't know, like, I'm afraid the thing that scares me about being exclusive with somebody is that I feel like I'd lose that whole like fun thing where you're just free and just living it up, you know, but then I guess like, if you like someone, it's like, you only want to be with that person. Like if you have, if you have a vibe with somebody, you're not just gonna let it go. Like you want to hold on to it. Right, right. If you have a vibe, like, Obviously, your mom and I had a vibe, and we met at the right time, and we totally uh, connect, and we connect to this day. Yeah. I mean, we have a real, um, we have a real understanding of each other, and um, and our minds just kind of work well together, which yeah. is a really, which is which is wonderful, you know. And um, and you know, I'm the kind of person that I. Uh, I don't have a lot of relationships in my life and maybe that's natural for someone my age, but I'm very comfortable in the ones that I have and I like them like people I've known a long time. And so I get along with people, you know, those people really well and it works for me. You know, I, I don't need to, I'm not looking to change up to get new people in my life. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't need that you know, for whatever reason, it's not, I'm not that kind of person, you know, like, you know? Well, the one you're with thing, or like, don't leave waves to find waves, you know, right. like, if you have something good, don't leave it, you can just stick with it, you know, don't be anxious, and like, 
go do something. Well, I, I think don't leave waves to find waves. That's when you have a good thing, don't rock it. I think love the one you're with. I kind of gave that advice to, I don't know if I gave it to you, but I gave it to your brother, was that you, in high school especially, you can try to date certain women. And if they don't, if they don't like you, you're waste, you know, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Whereas there are women who like you, who you say, I don't want to date them. But I was trying to pass off some advice to my son was date those women who like you, date the women who like you because you'll have more fun. Yeah. I mean, and, I, I mean, that's applicable to anybody. That's applicable to, applicable to me because I keep on dating all these guys that are mean and don't like me and I'm not having fun. I just get hurt. And then I met someone who likes me and I was like, shit, like this is way more fun. There you go. Now what happens is see in high school, a lot of us, um, we haven't figured that out yet, yeah. but in college, what happens is people want to have sex. So therefore they don't waste their time with people that don't like them. Like if they go out and they realize, okay, this is not working. Okay. I'm going to try something else. And that's what happens. The turnaround time is quicker because of the sex. Like, you know, when you know, you know, and if it's not there, it's not there. And on to the next, you know? Yeah. And, okay. but that's, but you know, but it has to do with, you know, the human desire and you'll know what, what's interesting is right. When, when you're in high school, right? And again, so this is crushing and, you know, high school is a big crushing time of your life yes, uh, from, yes. from the opposite sex point of view. I have other types not of crushes later on. Not, uh, let's not say opposite sex. Okay, from, from whoever you're attracted to, yes. okay? All right, a anyway, um, so, and then when you get to college, right? When you come home from college or I did, even quote unquote, the people that people thought were I'll use the word that we used in the 70s. They were kind of nerdy, okay? Um, they had boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, because although, you know, they changed their identities, but also they had the human desires and they found people who they could connect with. Ding, ding, ding. high school nerd alert right here. Right, but, but you change, but also you find people you have things in common with. So all of a sudden, People who you want, I mean, you thought of as antisocial turned out to be very social and have lot. And then you meet them 40 years, you know, at, at reunions and yeah. things. And they have families and kids and, you know, just like normal people. All right. So um, let's, let's take a break for a sec and hear this Bruce song um, called Ghosts. And, um, you know, one of the things that has been consistent in my dad's life is Bruce Springsteen. Um, so let's hear this one. sound of your guitar Coming from the mystic fog Stone in the gathering your voice 
Ghosts by Bruce Springsteen, and I'm back with my dad. Um, See, that was a song just over his uh, most recent album, right? And that's where he's um, he realizes that he's the last member of the band of his original band called the Castiles that he was in. Yeah, and, and he's kind of going. It's a, a homage to rock and roll and a homage to his life. And, you know, because his, uh, like his history and my history has somewhat been written. And um, that doesn't mean you can't add new history to it. And so that was kind of like, you know, a closing uh, kind of a song for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
the earlier songs of, you know, like uh, Growing Up and Spirit in the Night and, you know, my favorite song, Thunder Road, that was all about the beginning of things, right. you know? And so I, so those are songs from the seventies. And now this song is from, two, that's 50 years. I have to say like, I mean, this might be kind of like a microcosm because I haven't been alive as long as you, but I feel the same way. Like when I listen to Taylor Swift songs, cause like I've listened to her music my entire life. And like, obviously like her old, her, her earlier songs are about like high school romance and like younger love and now she's like writing about like more sophisticated love and stuff and I feel like it goes back to that whole thing where like you like artists who are like 10 years older than you because it's like that like advice giving vibe but I also like feel like my life path is also like running parallel to hers in a way because like as her music evolves like my life evolves and I'm always going to be enticed by it because she's just a couple steps ahead of me you know yeah it, it makes total sense you know um you know you you know, all of, you know, I had a group of people that, uh, you know, uh, Bob Seeger, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, um, those were my guys, so to speak, Bruce Springsteen, um, who I, you know, they were writing, a, they were all music, older musicians, and they were from all across the country, and they were writing about what I was going through, you yeah. know, um, and so... You know, and that was, you know, at the time you didn't, you didn't, like I thought, like I said, the earlier crushes, those were crushes, but they weren't really, women weren't like taking, uh, maybe I should have been more open-minded, but at that time I was like, these are my guys, you know, and there were no women, although I loved Fleetwood Mac and I, I loved Blondie and uh, madonna who we didn't you know those were people were, who i really i said but there were no women but i love fleetwood back and <laughs> no but it was different it was different you know what i mean it was like i think you understand what i'm saying uh maybe you don't but uh... yeah i mean i guess like when you're younger like the people that you kick it with they're kind of like more side characters in your life but maybe as you get older they start to feel like like in regards to crushes and stuff well, when you're my, okay. Now, when you have a crush and you're young, mm -hmm. it's a tremendous amount of positive energy and then negative energy, right? Cause you, you're all excited to see them and then you get nothing back from them and then you, you crash. So it's like highs and lows yeah. when you're young and you have these crushes. Like and, <laughs> Right. But it makes you feel alive. Now, when you're my age and you look back at the crushes, you say, what a waste of time. Because, no, and I mean that this is through life experience, because you knew you were going to have those highs and lows, so why bother? Now, from a young person's point of view, you uh, you don't know that. Yeah, and also so I think the highs and lows are kind of like this addiction, like it's a rush. Right. Yes, that's very true. But but when you, when you, but but a crush is like, it's nowhere as good as a relationship, yeah. right? So I look at it, that's why I think it's a waste of time because I look at what success are good relationships. See, so, but again, I'm giving you the perspective of someone who's 58 years old, right? So, um, but, but I will admit that I've had a whole lot of crushes and, and went through those ups and downs. I'm just saying, I wish, I don't know if I wish I hadn't done it, but I just know that it, 
no, no, you just hit your expiration date. You're just ready to settle down. You just had enough fun, you know? Yeah, well, I get, yeah. Or, or, I, or I was tired of the emotional roller coaster, you know? Yeah, um, like your grandpa- already exhausted from it. <laughs> you know, your grandpa Frank um, gave me some advice uh, about just important part of about relationships. He says, you know, the world is a really hard, difficult place and you're out there every day. You're trying to make a living. You're trying to, to move yourself forward in some way. And he said, one of the most important things is you got to have peace at home. Like you cannot be fighting with your spouse because the amount you it's that, that negative energy, you know, is, will, will destroy you is the way he, you know, the way I took it from him is that you really need to have peace at home and be on the same team and root for that person and have them root for you, you know? So you will have, there are times where you'll be more successful, they'll be more successful. It's not about being envious or jealousy. It's about, okay, you're happy for them. And because you love them, you're happy for yourself. But there are a lot of people who will then be demeaning to themselves because someone else is doing slightly better in quote unquote, whatever those terms are. But so that was something I took from Grandpa Frank that was very important. If you're fighting with somebody, you got to nix that relationship because the energy, the negative energy, you just, you can't have it. You can't have it. It'll exhaust you. So speaking of negative energy, um, let's hear this next one um, by Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Stop dragging my heart around. <laughs>
Shit, Dad, you've been talking about the storm. We don't have much time left. Oh, we don't have much time. Uh oh. Uh -uh. Well, uh, well, you got to get in one more, one more song, right? One more song. What's the "Slave to Love" by Brian Ferry? What's yeah, that was the reason why I picked that song because this is the song of crushing. So, for my generation, I think it was in the '80s. There was the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, and you were crushing on Kim Basinger, the main character. You were crushing on Mickey Rourke and his life. And the life that he lived as a Wall Street, uh, very successful Wall Streeter, and all of the uh, quote unquote material goods that he had, and that he was enjoying New York. So you crushed on that. And Slave to Love was a song in that movie, but also by Brian Ferry. And that that whole album, Roxy Music, that it's on, that, that was basically my generation, the, the sex album. Used to put that album on. And then you would, you know, make out. That was the big, that was, that was one of those albums that people would do that. All right. Um, let's hear it then. This is Slave to Love by Brian Ferry. <laughs> Yeah. 
love by brian ferry um i'm back with my dad we're gonna wrap things up um but it's been great yeah, talking to you yeah no it's been great um i hope you little learned a little more about me i learned a little bit more about you um you know like just crushing at my age right is really about you know loving my wife and loving my children and really um enjoying them for for all their ups and downs and their successes and failures and just really really enjoying being around them that's that's uh i guess my adult crushing you know it's a it's it's more of a a really deep-seated love as opposed to the roller coaster of youth i guess and that's kind of the perspective of someone who's who's lived that life already <laughs> but yeah. i had a great time thanks for having me yeah. and uh you know, I'm sorry we couldn't even listen to all the music I chose, but uh, it was great. Okay, well, you'll be on some other time in the near future, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I love you so much. Um, thanks for being on love the show. Too. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. Love you. Love you.